in the name of the Father and the Son. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and God, Amen. Today we read the Gospel from the 15th chapter of the Gospel of St. Luke on the prodigal son. And we notice that the readings, um, all of the readings of this morning are related to the Gospel, which always we, the readings are related to the Gospel. But if we, if we take a look at the readings, uh, one of the readings, uh, the Pauline Epistle speaks about how the... Um, the, the, the sacrifices and the life of, of a Christian and all of the sacrifices that come along with that life. And then in the epistle it speaks about how the, the tongue being so small and yet it, yet it affects the heart and it affects, uh, it, it affects our spiritual lives. So it's like, um, it's like the prodigal son. And the first gospel or the first reading you may relate more to, to the older son who made the sacrifices in order to um, continue in his father's home. And then we find in the reading of the Acts how Paul was being accused. And, uh, and he said, all I stand for is the resurrection, is the resurrection, and that is what I have hope in. So it's like when the prodigal son came back, there was this feeling from the older son that, uh, that look at everything that he did. And, uh, and then there was this promise from the father who basically says, yeah, but there is resurrection of the dead that your brother has returned and has been lost all these years. And so we come to the, the Gospel reading for this morning, which is on the part of the Son, and as we continue in our Lenten journey, one hope that we have for Lent, in addition to prayer and fasting, is repentance. And the Gospel reading is all about restoration. It is all about repentance. And repentance is, of course, difficult to speak about because it forces us to confront certain realities about ourselves that sometimes we either ignore, we suppress, or maybe we justify. And nonetheless, it is something that we are all in need of doing and are called to pursue as part of our Christian lifestyle. I thought it was fitting because, you know, last week was the, was the feast of, uh, of His Holiness Pope Shenouda III, of blessed memory. And, uh, and he has a wonderful book uh, on the life of repentance and purity. So you might hear me referring to His Holiness a few, time, a few times in today's, in today's reflection. So why are we in need of repentance? His Holiness, he says, if you know who you are, you will rise above sin. If you know who you are, you will rise above sin. God is spirit and that which is born of spirit is spirit. In the, epistle of, the first epistle of St. John, we read, Whoever has been born of God does not sin, for his seed remains in him and he cannot sin, because he has been born of God. In this the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. And we notice in the, prodigal, in the story of the prodigal son that he says, Father, I have sinned against heaven. I've sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I'm no longer worthy to be called, to be called your son. So why we are in need of repentance is because in each and every one of us is the breath of God. It is, an intrinsic, it is intrinsic in us that, that God dwells in every single one of us. And that is, why we, that is why, whether we realize it or not, that we yearn for righteousness. We yearn to, to be like God. We yearn to cling to God and to have a relationship with Him. Sometimes in the world, 
all humans desire this, whether they realize who it is that I'm seeking for yet, maybe, maybe not. But we, do, we desire to cling to Him. And when we hear verses like this, at times we feel hopeless or that there is no salvation. Right? When, when we see that if, if one sins, he cannot be of God. <clears throat> but this is the essence of repentance. It's this, is that repentance is the gift and the life that God has given us in order to express our acceptance of his death and resurrection of the cross for us. Jesus, he says in the Gospel of St. John, chapter 6, the one who comes to me will by no means cast, will by no means, the one who comes to me, I will by no means cast out. Everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. In the Psalms, David says, he will wash me and I will be made whiter than snow. And in Isaiah we read, though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured by the sword. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. And we do this every, every, every weekend in the liturgy, we remember this. I think I may have mentioned this before. For example, when the priest washes his hand and he says, You shall sprinkle me with your hyssop and I shall be purified. You shall wash me and I shall be made whiter than snow. And then the priest holds his hand up with water dripping because he's saying, I, I, did, I, I tried, I'm trying to prepare myself for the Eucharist. And it's not just me who's called to, be, to prepare myself, but all of us are called to prepare ourselves, to be as white as snow. There's a saint who said, there is no sin which defeats God's love for mankind. So although, although repentance is necessary for our salvation, God gives us strength and hope to work through our repentance. He participates with us in our repentance. Not only does He participate in our repentance, but our repentance is meaningless without Him and without His sacrifice. If we find the, if we find the similarity between Christ and the prodigal son, what did the father put on the product on his son when he returned. What was the first thing he put on him? Remember? The robe. And who else was who else had a robe put on him? Jesus. And for Jesus it was out of mockery. And for the prodigal son it was out of glory. And and yet the celebration could not be completed without the killing of the what? The fatted calf. Jesus is the fatted calf. Jesus is the fatted calf who was slaughtered for the conversion of the prodigal son. And so his repentance, his bringing back of his coming back, could not have been completed without the, the killing of the fatted calf, without Christ. And this was... Even if we find with the, with the older son, he had some difficulty in this. Right? He said, and you killed, and you killed a fatted calf. I never got something like that. He's saying, it's almost like a, like a challenge to how can, how can Christ be killed for the, sake of the, for the sake of our repentance? And he's saying, it had to be done. And so I want my repentance to be genuine, but endurance and suffering is required. As much as we, of course, need, are in need of, of Christ's work 
in us in, to, to participate in our repentance. But from our end, in, endurance and suffering is required. We read in Hebrews chapter 4, You have not yet resisted to bloodshed striving against sin. So the extent of how much we need to put into our repentance, as overwhelming as it may seem, is to the point of bloodshed. And of course, God doesn't deprive us, deprive us of His grace. And so what, even when we put in all of this, uh, the extent of this um, of endurance and suffering, we know that it is by the grace of God. St. Basil, he says, it is good that you do not sin. If you do sin, then it is good that you do not delay repentance. If you repent, then it is good that you do not return to sin. If you do not return, that is to sin, then it is good that you know this is with God's help. And if you know, which is that this is with God's help, then it is good that you thank Him for the state that you are in. Which is why we always begin our prayers with Thanksgiving prayer. Any aspect of our repentance is done by the help of God. So why, why the discomfort? Why do we discomfort, feel so much discomfort in, in our pursuit of repentance? His Holiness says, There is nothing that the devil fights harder than repentance because it wastes all his previous labor, the labor of Satan. And so the stronger that our fight is in repentance, the less affected we are by the tumultuousness of temptation. And His Holiness gives this example of how, you know, how you know, the, regardless of the size of the waves in the ocean, that even a small fish is able to, um, to swim against the current because it has life. And yet a, piece of, a massive piece of lumber which is washed away because it has no will. And so he gives us some help to begin our repentance. And he begins with self-reflection. That we, that we must begin with self-reflection. St. Isaac this year, he says something that, to be honest, is very difficult, but it's important for us to hear and to try and practice as much as we can. He says, Every day you do not sit for one hour with yourself and think about the day's sins and shortcomings to help yourself up again. Then do not count the day as part of your life. An hour seems like a lot. But how many times are we driving in the car for 15 minutes to run an errand, you know, even if I'm not alone? Trust me, probably the other people in the car don't even want to talk anyway. So maybe it's good for, for everyone in the car to spend that 15 minutes in self-reflection. And so we might use that time on, to reflect on conversations I had on that day or the day prior. You know, I wonder if the person took offense to something that I said, whether I meant it or not. Did they, were they offended? Maybe I should have apologized to the person, this person even if, even if I considered that they were wrong. Maybe I make this change in my life so that I don't struggle with this passion. So maybe we worry that self-reflection might be intimidating or overwhelming, but as His Holiness says, God is compassionate by not revealing our sins and weaknesses all at once so that we don't feel worthless. Repentance is a lifestyle and is a part of who we are and it, um, repentance is not necessarily a doing. But even if God has given us the grace by helping us to repent even from the physical perspective, in, meaning that I, I sort of stop myself from doing things or, um, or I hold myself, then... Um, 
I, I create that separation, then it doesn't mean that I don't still yearn for that sin or regret not taking opportunities when I had the chance to, to commit those sins. So repentance, the results of repentance is a sort of hatred towards sin. So not only is it about self-reflection, but reflecting on what we hear or see from others regardless of how it comes to us. God is aware that the effects of our sins lead us to experience difficult times, and when they come, we might say, God, why would you allow such a thing? Or maybe we say, you know, whatever, lousy things just happen to everyone. And although that, of course, sometimes things happen in our lives because of the fallenness of the world, but we do reflect on how some of our challenges might be a way that God desires us to change. In Hebrews chapter 4, we read, If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening, of which all have been partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. Even in today's gospel reading, the eldest son was not without sin, because even in his heart he was upset about how his brother was received after returning from his prodigal living. And so even he himself was in need of, of chastening from his father. If we look at Jonah the prophet, all of the things that, that, he, that he went through, and he realized that, that he was being chastened by God, and yet, regardless of how Jonah responded to God's dealing with him, the, the dialogue between Jonah and God never ended. He never said, you know what, you're treating me like this, you allowed me to get swallowed by a whale, you know what, I'm done with you. He, no. All of this, he's, he's responding to, to God. There's a dialogue that's happening. And he's accepting that when God says, I'm calling you to do something, and you're going to do it. Sometimes chastening from God comes in different ways. And sometimes we even get it from our family members and even from our own children, from our peers, our colleagues. And maybe because of our weaknesses, we, do, we respond with anger, sadness, defensiveness. And if we fall in our response, then fine, let it be part of our repentance. But at minimum, we can reflect on how much of what I heard or experienced is true and I'm in need of repentance of. These types of reflections allow, us, allow for us to purge of our shortcomings and sins and isn't a time for justification. His Holiness says, Happy is the man who reveals his sins when he sits with himself. Happier still is he who presents his sins to the Lord with contrition and tears. There are so many examples of of, of times when, when one can try to justify their sins. But if we look at David, for example, David, he could, um, he could have decided not to fight Goliath and be justified. The other soldiers, they all justified why they could not fight against Goliath. Well, because he's much bigger than me, so I'm going to probably die. And David, above anyone else, was, would have been really justified because he wasn't even enrolled in the, in, the, in the army at the time. So he really was justified not to fight Goliath. But he felt that this was a calling from God. And so he refused to justify. We all have Goliath, Goliaths, 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 
we all have many of Goliath in our life. And unless we're ready to fight against all of them, um, knowing that they are difficult to defeat, we will simply be overtaken by them. Another thing is that reflection during repentance is also not a time to blame others for our sins. Sure, maybe some people deserve a good few words, but still, my sin is my responsibility. And St. Anthony, he says, if we judge ourselves, that is not to judge others, if we judge ourselves, the Lord will be pleased with us. And the desire to, to blame someone else is as old as, as it gets. That practice is, is as old as Adam and Eve, right? When God told Adam, what did you do? And he said, listen, the woman that you gave me, she gave me the, the fruit. So it's not a time to blame others, but to blame myself. And the last is not to delay in repentance. Many are young and expected to live decades. But some of us will not, unfortunately. And repentance isn't about pushing it off until I'm on my deathbed because then I don't really have much to show for. And the thing is, is sometimes we like, and this is, this is not a good practice as Christians, is that we compare ourselves to the thief on the right. And we say, okay, but I have until the last moment to repent. We should never, ever compare ourselves to the, to the thief on the right because he didn't know Christ. He didn't know him. That's why, that's, that's why there was a, an exception, if you want to call it. We don't have an exception. Why? Because we've come to know the glory of God. We've come to know Him. Not only have we come to know Him, but He has come to visit us in many occasions, in the Eucharist. In today's Gospel, we read, But when He came to Himself, He said, How many of my Father's higher servants have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my Father. He reflected and immediately pursued Repentance. Sometimes we delay our repentance. Um, what delays our repentance is that instead of focusing on our sins and fighting them, we sometimes want to compensate by doing certain things to sort of balance the scale. And that's one of the one of the ways that we delay our repentance. You know Marie Kondo? Right? We have to Marie Kondo our hearts. And we need to confront everything that we are hoarding in the home of our hearts. And if we're hoarders at home, and it's affecting other people, in anything that we do, if there's something that's bugging other people around us, what do we do? We, we try to get them something to relieve their pain. The hoarding in the house, it's, it's bothering you, Have you, let me get you something. Just adding, hoarding some more. And so it's, we get something to relieve the pain. This is like the sin that is covered by compensating, but the problem isn't gone. The problem isn't gone. And so we constantly delay our repentance. And as we delay, we continue to hoard and hoard and hoard. And regardless of whether it bugs other people, I try to find ways to compensate my heart. Okay, uh, you know, I'm going to compensate by adding community service this week. The church has something community service, I'm going to go. And that makes my heart feel better, right? It's like compensating the, the people affected in your family. Or, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fast like a little bit better this time. Or I'm going to add a few extra days. And then 
and then I'm going to feel better. Yeah, your heart is, our hearts will be relieved for a little bit. But the problem is still there. The hoarding is still there. The disease is still there. And unless I treat the disease now, I will not get to it later. So our repentance, we are in need of repentance because we are God's children. We yearn for His righteousness. We desire repentance because it is how we respond to God's promise of salvation. Repentance requires genuineness and sacrifice, which includes discomfort. And it is a time for self-reflection, reflection on what we see and hear and how it affects us. It is reflection that requires no justification of self and reflection without blaming others. And repentance should not be delayed. May our repentance be always accepted by God. To Him be the glory both now and ever. And to Jesus, glory be to God.